this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Arise, shine, for your light has come, the Bible says. Anything we receive from the Lord, we receive it by faith. I know so many, so many times people say, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's not how you receive things from the Lord. You receive it before you, be- you believe it before you see it, right? Blessed are those, Jesus said, talking about to Thomas, who believe and don't see. So arise, shine, for your light has come. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Well, believe it, receive it. Just say it, my light has come. Our light has come, yeah. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth. Deep darkness of people, but the Lord will arise on us. Well, how do we shine when the Lord, when the world isn't shining? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Remember, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word. Say word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What, what does that mean? It means that our life is sustained by the words that come out of God's mouth. That's how he spoke into existence the heavens and the earth. Out of, he spoke into nothingness and spoke into void and caused everything we see. That's the way when he says, arise, shine, your light has come. He's speaking that into our lives, but we have to receive it. Say it again, I receive it, Lord. Yeah, we have to receive the things of God. In fact, I believe if we don't receive it, then we don't get it. So it depends on us? Absolutely. Salvation depends on you receiving it, right? God's not a pusher. He throws the ball, Super Bowl Sunday. We catch it, right? He, he puts a word out. We catch the word for our lives. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man lives. My life is sustained. Would you say it with me? My life is sustained by the word of the Lord. I need the word of the Lord. So just keep playing for a little while longer. Gavin, love you, man. Okay. Uh, Two weeks ago, we read Luke chapter 22, verse 2. I know I have a word from the Lord today for you. I really didn't want to share it, to be honest with you, and you'll see why, because I might get some people mad when I share it, but um, sorry. Um, Two weeks ago, we read Luke chapter 22, verse 2. It says, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they may kill him for they feared the people. When we went over, the chief priests were the ones who came close to the presence of God. In fact, they're the ones who could enter the Holy of Holies, the high priest, chief priest, you know, enter the Holy of Holies, and nobody else could. So they were close to God's presence. The scribes were those that very particularly dealt with the words of God and the words of the Torah, the Old Testament. So here these people were close to the presence of God, the closest to the presence of God, the closest to the word of God, and then they wanted to kill the Son of God. How does that happen? It's because they feared the people. See, you only fear who you listen to. When you listen to people, you fear them. That's how, that's how people are stay. People say, why can't people get out of oppression? Can't they just stand up and get out? No, the thing that locks a person in is called fear. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says, you shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear. See, if you can get rid of the fear, you can't be oppressed anymore. Satan's tool of keeping you oppressed is to keep you in fear. 
And so what happens? He says, you'll be far from oppression. So uh, the chief priests, they begin to listen to the people. The scribes listen to the people. And then they sought how they may kill the Son of God because they feared the people. Well, in contrast, we read over in the book of Acts that the apostles were thrown into prison because they were preaching the word of the Lord. And they were thrown into prison. And they said, I told you, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And then they, they so they're in prison. An angel of the Lord comes and shakes the prison, rocks the prison, opens the doors of prison, and uh, frees them. And listen, he freed them and he told them, go back to the temple and speak in the name again which I know there's a whole message in that. Listen, God never frees you from something without giving you direction to something. That's why a lot of people go right back into bondage because they get freed from something, but they don't know where they're going, so they go right back to where they return. He freed them, and what did, it, what did they do? They, they said, I'm going to let you out of jail, but you need to go back and share the word of the Lord. And then uh, it says here in verse 25, we read, it says, So one came and told them, said, Look, the men who are in prison, they're standing in the temple, and they're teaching again. They're teaching the people again. We already tried to throw them in prison. What are we supposed to do? The captain went to the officers and brought them up with, it says it brought them without violence for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. They didn't want the people who were listening to the word to come and say, get out of here. I'm going to stone you, you know, and kill you. So they feared the people. So they're like, just let them preach. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them. Here's what the high priest says to the men of God. The high priest said, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name, in the name of Jesus? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter, look at, look at, look at. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, let's all say this together. We, come on, we ought to obey God rather than men. See, whenever we get, listen, whenever we get to a place where we start listening to the voices of men more than the voices of God, we get to where eventually it will oppose God. Eventually, maybe just a little off right now, but eventually it'll get to the place where you're completely different than the voice of the Lord. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Remember, and, and, and don't think you cannot, you can get off. Remember Peter? Peter, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, you're hearing directly from heaven. And it was just like a few verses later where he said, not so with you, Lord. And Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. What was he saying? You're listening to God over here, but a few minutes later in the next scene, you're listening to the devil. Don't think that just because you've heard from the Lord that everything's the Lord. Wasn't so with Peter, and it, is, it, it, it isn't with you. Other thoughts come to your mind. And the, but what did the apostle say? We ought to, say it with me again, we ought to obey God rather than man. Say it again. We ought to obey God rather than man. The fear of people can lead you to want to appear correct in people's eyes. Let me say it again. The fear of people will, will lead you to a place to where you want to look right in people's eyes. Watch out for that because if you get to the place where you want to look right in, in people's eyes, you'll end up succumbing to the lies of the enemy really due to pride and self-preservation. You'll end up saying things that you don't know what you're talking about. You'll end up doing things that aren't you. And then you have to uh, defend yourself day after day uh, on what you said because you don't want to back down on those things. Even end up compromising truth over time. The lead, leading religious leaders here, remember, they feared the people to the point where they sought to kill the Son of God. In today's society, 
Let me tell you, people need answers. You see division in politics. You see division in race. You see division in economics. You see division in the vaccine. You see division in, 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 in every, I feel like every sphere and area of life. You see division that, that is going on and people want answers. And if we allow pride and the voice, allowing ourselves to listen to the voice of men, we'll say things and do things to posture ourselves and I'm not just talking outside the church. I'm talking inside the church. Where now you have to stand up because you don't want to look like you're not far from the Lord or like you're far from God. You don't want to look like you don't really have the inside scoop to things. And some people want to make sure that they come across politically correct. Other people want to make sure that they come across prophetically correct. They're both traps. Because both of them are posturing self. Let me tell you what we need. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Somebody, amen? We need to hear the word of the Lord. I want to talk about, in fact, the title is prophetically correct. I believe it can be a concern. Politically correct is to avoid offense. So you want to say things because you don't want people to be offended. Prophetically correct can be to avoid judgment. That I'm not as maybe spiritually in touch or elevated or maybe I don't have enough faith so I need to make sure to say things that people know who I am you know it can be a lot of temptation for pastors it could be a lot of temptation for leaders it could be a lot of temptation for people who ask you questions sometimes people will come up and say what do you think about this and if I don't know guess what I tell them I tell them this I don't know come on just say it I don't know yeah, th- that doesn't make you less close to God to say, I don't know. Sometimes people will come up and say, do you have a word from God for me? And I'll say, nope. Love God. Read the word. Dive into the, dive into the Lord. Get your heart full of God so that to a place where you can know where he's leading you and guiding you. Love people, right? That's the word of the Lord. I have a word from the Lord. Well, I have a word. Sit down. Sometimes people just need to sit down and and be quiet and catch the word of the Lord. I can tell you so many times in my life, I've been in a place where I couldn't hear God because of all the noise. And then trying to have self-preservation to where people thought that I was in the know because they're asking me. And I just have to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I have to turn off the conversation. I can only speak in the light what I hear in the dark. Can't make things up. I just need to know what God's saying, and I just need to stick with that. Politically correct, I'm certainly not talking about being insensitive or marginalizing people by putting them down in conversations. God is against that. It's certainly not the love of God. But you can't compromise. You can't choose political correctness and compromise truth. I said you can't choose political correctness and compromise truth to appear to be correct in people's eyes or to validate yourself in the eyes of people. Ephesians chapter 4 verse uh, 15 says, but speaking the truth in love. Say it. Speaking the truth. Say it with me, would you? Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into the head, which is Christ, right? Speaking the truth in love. I'll just tell it like it is. I speak the truth, but is it in love? It's sort of like saying the, in the package is truth. That's the contents. But it's wrapped in love. 
And when I look at it, I see a bunch of love. I want to unwrap that. And then you open it up and you're like, oh, it's truth. And then others might just say, I don't want to hurt feelings, so I'm just going to have love. I'm just going to have love. But then you end up compromising. Come on, say, speaking the truth in love. Yeah. We don't want to get so politically correct that we can't speak the truth in love. Pro- prophetically correct. What is that? It's posturing yourself with others so that they would understand that you have an inside scoop. You know what's going on. You've heard directly from the Most High God. You know the future. That can get into pride too. I said that can get into pride too. I'm all for prophets. I'm all for hearing from God. I talk about it all the time. But I'll tell you, it can become a pressure to people to where they have to be the ones that hear things through. And let me tell you, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. We have a Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Let me tell you some examples. The reason why I'm speaking this this morning is not because I have an edge or something. I have no one in mind. I have no circumstance, no conversation. Nothing in my head is against someone who's, you know, prophetically this or someone that said something. I have nothing in my... It's I woke up one morning about two and a half weeks ago and the Lord spoke to my heart in a still small voice, didn't hear audible voice, spoke spoke in my heart and said as clearly as I'm speaking to you, he said this. He said, some people want... Uh, are concerned about being politically correct and others are concerned about being prophetically correct. He said, son, you just need to hear my voice. And you know what it did? It released me from the need to please people. I don't care. I love people. But I need to please the Lord. You need to please the Lord. Come on, somebody right there. If I stopped right there, somebody just say, amen, I need to please the Lord. I need to hear the Lord. Amen. That's what we need to hear. Let me give you a couple of examples here. Do you know that Jesus was tempted by the devil? It was real temptation, and he was tempted to be prophetically correct. Let me show you how. In Matthew chapter 4, don't you like the piano playing the whole time here? I like that. Just keep going. Just keep going. Thank you, man. Okay. Woo! Okay. Jesus was tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, Satan came up to him and he said, If you are the Son of God. You believe that's how it sounds? If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. What was he doing? He was asking him to commit suicide. Throw yourself off this hill. And I want you to prove yourself that you're the Son of God. That's sort of like walking up to a dude and saying, If you're a man, stand up and fight. And if you have pride, you'll stand up and go, Yeah, that's right. I'm going to... But if you know you're a man, you're just like, get out of here. See, he said, if you're the son of God, he was questioning his godship, but he didn't need to give in to, question, to proving his godship any more than we had need to prove our manhood, right? If you're the son of God, he says, and then he quoted two scriptures. He'll give his angels charge over you and their hands will bury you up from Psalm 91. It says, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said, well, it's written, he put scripture right back on him from the end of Deuteronomy and he said you shall not tempt the Lord your God see this was a temptation that Satan was trying to get Jesus to validate his position as the son of God there was no other reason for him to throw himself off the cliff it wasn't like he was helping somebody no it was if you're the son of God prove to me and you know the enemy still does that to people He tries to get them to throw themselves out there, put themselves out there beyond what God really wants you to do. Security in the Lord allows you to just shut up sometimes. 
And people say, what do you think? I'm not really sure what I think, but I'm praying about it. Right? Satan used scripture. Jesus used scripture. But Jesus didn't need to prove that he was God, and we don't need to prove that we're the people of God. We have nothing to prove to Satan. Let me say it again. We have nothing to prove to Satan. And we have nothing to prove to people. We're the righteousness of God because Jesus made us that way. Come on, somebody. Amen. We don't have, listen, listen. We don't have to act spiritual. We don't have to step out and do things that we don't know. Tread into territories that we shouldn't be touching. Speak when someone says, what do you think? And we make up something. We don't have to be doing that. We just have to say, well, you know, when I need to know, I'll know. And keep seeking the Lord and praying and doing what he told us to do. Another time, Jesus, remember when the woman came that was caught in adultery? <laughs> First service, I said, remember when Jesus was caught in adultery? And everybody went, <laughs> no. Uh, when, when the woman came and was caught in adultery, the Bible says in the very act. In other words, it wasn't a rumor. It was like, there she was. And so they brought her to Jesus. Jesus was uh, sitting here. And the Bible says that the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people, said Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. And Moses in the law, again, Satan brought the word. The Pharisees and the religious people brought the word. Moses in the law commanded us that, we, that she should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him. That's what the enemy did too. This they said, see, you can be tested by the devil. You can be tested by religious people too. And both will lead you in a place that you're not close to the mouth of the Lord. All to preserve self. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Did Jesus answer them? No, he didn't just pipe up and answer them. Eventually he said he was without sin, cast the first stone, right? But Jesus didn't answer. He just kind of ignored him. Do you know Jesus didn't need to answer all the questions and neither do you? Jesus didn't need to state everything he knew about everything. Neither do you. Sometimes it's wisdom just to shut up. No, I mean, really. Sometimes it's godly just to be quiet. Pray. Until you know what the jack you're talking about. Because otherwise you get out there and you overextend yourself. And then you have to spend the rest of your time having to defend yourself. Because you overextended yourself. So it says that Jesus, do you think that Jesus knew what to say and what to do? Yeah, he knew. But what did he do? He didn't feel like he had to prove anything to them. He wasn't about to condemn the woman in front of everybody. Let me say this. Pride has to have an answer for everything and everyone. Pride always knows. You know what I think. Yeah, we knew what you were about to tell us. Pride always has to. That's how you know pride. Always has to have an answer for everything and everyone. You remember Jesus when the Pharisees again came up to say, what do you think about paying taxes? And here's what it says. Then the Pharisees went, Matthew 22, 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they may entangle him in his talk. Can I tell you, when people ask you, they're not always wanting to really know. Sometimes they want to see where you stand on it to see if you're on their side or not. 
That's why it's not wise to always answer. See, it's, a, it's good to feed a hungry soul, someone who really wants to know. But everyone's agendas and motives aren't always the same. Sometimes that's why when you say, what do you think? And you just say, I'm not really, I'm not really going to say anything to that one. Do you think that's okay? Does that show ignorance? No, it shows wisdom, maturity, humility. Just because you know something doesn't mean you always have to be the one to speak it and say it. I'm, I'm telling you this because I know the Lord shared this with me to share with us today. I don't have an, any personal agenda. I'm not even thinking of anyone or anything. Um, but you'll be tempted by the world to be politically correct, not say the wrong thing, and you'll be tempted by religious people to be prophetically correct. Where do you stand on this? What do you think about this? How are you doing with this? And we feel like even though we're not sure, we have to say something to make them know that we're in faith and we're with them and we're saying the right thing because that's what we're, because we have the inside scoop, right? You know what? I just know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. And I'm not putting down people who say things that I don't know. I just say, I don't know. I'm praying for them. I can only say what I do know and focus on what I do know. You're only responsible to say what he tells you to say. Let me say it again. You are only responsible to say what the Lord tells you to say. Remember John 15 or John chapter 5 verse 19? Jesus said, I only do the things I see my fathers do, my father do. I only do the, the works that I do. The only works I do is what I see the Father do. He said in John 12, 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, listen to this, the Father who sent me gave me a command of what I should say and what I should speak. If Jesus had to be under the authority of someone else, Father God, do you think that you and I's mouth also needs to be under the authority of someone else. Come on, a big. Yeah, that's right. Do you think Jesus knew more than he spoke? In fact, I remember on one occasion, he says, I have many things to say to you, but he who sent me is true, and you're going to need the Holy Spirit because I ain't going to be here in a little while. In other words, I'm not going to spill the beans. And then when they said uh, about when, you know, when he returned and all this, and he said, that's not in the Son of Man's, it's only in the Father's Son. He even just said what he didn't know. You know what it shows? Humility. When I see people who rarely ever say something they don't know, to me, I look at them and question some of the things they do know because they're saying things they know and filling in the gaps on the other. I'm telling you, it's dangerous in the church and outside of the church. We need to hear the church. Listen, I'm saying this to you as a pastor. We just need to hear the word of the Lord. And we need to be strong like Peter. We need to be strong where the gates of hell will not prevail against that which has been revealed to you. That when you hear the word of the Lord, you're strong on that. And then you're able to not try to fill in the gaps on the other things. Jesus didn't have to prove anything. Pride has to answer everything and everyone. Let me also give you one more example, and that's Eve in the garden. Do you know Eve in the garden? The Bible says that the serpent was more uh, crafty or more you know, cunning than any beast of the field. But the... God told her, the man and woman, he told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree, don't eat of that one tree. The, the enemy comes and said, well, I'm going to go after the one thing. And that one thing, he said, for God knows, this is what the, the beast said, or this is what the serpent said. God knows that in the day, say in the day, 
that you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God in one day. You'll know what God knows in one day. You'll be prophetically correct, so to speak. You'll know what God knows in one day. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But was that God's will? No. God's will was to obey the word of the Lord. Not to know more and be like God. See, sometimes we can, I believe, even use God to say, God, I'm just really trying to, you know, trying to. I remember I would wake up in the morning, and I've done it for years, wake up in the morning at 5 a.m., and I would have this list for God. I would say, okay, God, point number one, point number two. And after a few mornings, the Lord just said back to me, are you really going to keep this list? You're going to keep me on a list? I mean, it's not that I mind it, but are you going to keep me on your list? Don't you think there's things on my list that that would take care of all the questions on your list? I still have a list, but I don't force it. So when Eve saw the benefits, and one of the benefits was desirable to make one wise, and I'll be like God, knowing what God knows, I'll be like God in one day, I'll take of the fruit. See, she was tempted to position herself in the place of God, tempted to position herself in knowing what God knows, right? And the tree that she was tempted with was the tree of knowledge. That's really what it was. It wasn't good and evil. It was the knowledge of good and evil. Notice it wasn't the knowledge of evil. It was good and evil. Because listen, something can be evil and something can be good, but if something's not God, it's not what you want. It doesn't matter if it's evil or good. If it's not God, well, it's good. It's good the things I'm trying to know. Is it God? Not good. Is it God? And so the temptation was more knowledge, more information. Then you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan was tempting someone who had already been created in the image of God with posturing themselves to be like God, who they were already created in the image of God. Adam and Eve didn't want to turn down the deal and look bad, so they said, well, bring it on. They rejected the word of the Lord, and they took the fruit. More knowledge is not always what we need. More voices is not always what we need. More information is not always what we need. You can research the internet every day until you know what every single person thinks. But until you get on your knees and hear from the Lord, you'll never be solid on what the word of the Lord is. Until you open, crack open your Bible and, and ask God, God, would you just show me what I need to do? I'm not responsible for the whole world. I am responsible for me and my family and the sphere of influence that you've given me. Man shall not live by bread alone. Say it with me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth, proceeds out of the mouth of God. God will tell you what you need to know. I remember, and I told you this before, that I was pushing God, and I was like, God, I want to know this. God, you usually will show me things that I ask you, and God, I need to know this, and I've been praying for weeks. I need to know. And I'm just telling you, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit said this to me, boy, almost in the voice of my dad, Boy, I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Because what I know is this. There's times where I thank God that I didn't know what I know ahead of time. Because it would have led me astray that I wouldn't focus on the season that I'm in. I would have got off in the season ahead. I want to know the season ahead and God's saying, but I want to speak to you about the season here. And if you're diligent with the season here then you'll be a good steward of the season. 
that's ahead of you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Posturing, prophetically correct, posturing yourself with others so they understand that you know the future. You know you're close to God, even closer than him, than them they are. That's pride. It can lead into pride. And we have to just watch it in the church. I say it because I love you. We have to just watch it in the church. Whenever you use or posture, listen to me, whenever you use or posture your gifts for self, you misuse them, and eventually the misuse becomes abuse. I said, whenever you take the gifts, the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given you, and you posture yourself with them, prep your pump, set yourself up with them, and begin to look at your ministry as it pertains to how you're validated and how people look at you. That misuse, if it's continued down that road, will eventually become abuse. And then you disqualify yourself from those gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12 says this, Even so you, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, listen, let your zeal be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. In other words, pray that God would give you spiritual gifts, but make sure that the reason, the motive behind it is so that others can be built up. So that when you walk out of the room, it wasn't so that they can say, you're so close to God. It's so that they can say, every time I'm around you, I feel encouraged, built up challenged, motivated, feeling closer to God. That's what he said. Let your gifts be mixed. Because see, if you mix a gift with pride, it'll come out bad. If you mix a gift with love, it'll come out the way the Lord wants it to. It's compound. You take compounds, two parts. You have steel and hardener, right? If you, if you mix hardener with steel, it becomes something that's very solid. If you mix hardener with something else, it becomes something else. If you mix the gifts with love, it becomes something beautiful in the hand of the Lord and he'll continue to trust you. If you mix the gifts with pride and selfishness, you'll disqualify yourself and you'll hurt a lot of other people in the process. Let it be for the edification of the church. Let me read this. Jeremiah 23. We're about to close. Jeremiah 23, 25 says this. I have heard, I want you to catch this. I have heard these prophets say, listen to the dream that I had from God last night. Then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything they say. What are they saying? They're saying, hey, listen to me and what I dreamed and what I did. They're, they're kind of drawing the attention to themselves instead of to any prophet that I hear that doesn't break open the word of the Lord and confirm it with the word of God. I mean, the written, the word of God and just won't bring God's word into it. And when you walk away, you're, you walk away with more confidence in the prophet than you are in God. But he goes on and he says this. By telling these false dreams, they are trying to get my people to forget me, get their attention on them and not me. He says, just as their ancestors did by worshiping the idols of Baal, he says that prophecy that's not used with the right intention is like idols of Baal. He says, let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. What is he saying? He's saying the main thing when we proclaim the word of God is to get people's faith and confidence in God. And here's how you know you did it right. 
when people walk away, when you walk away from hearing someone, if you walked away with more faith in God, then you know it was proclaimed the right way. If you walked away with more faith in that teacher, that person, that prophet, and you're kind of afraid, I don't, I don't believe that that's true prophecy. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm saying this because even though you may not be a prophet or stand in the office of a prophet, all of us prophesy. And I think that, listen, I, I believe what the Lord's saying. He doesn't want us to succumb to the pressure of political correctness. And in, with religious people, he doesn't want us to succumb to the pressure of prophetic correctness. I think at the end of the day, we just need to be able to say, I only know what I know. And that's what the Lord has revealed to my own heart. If God has given you a gift, here's my encouragement to you. Listen, God's given you a gift. Stay humble. Don't give place to pride by the devil by flaunting it. When you begin to flaunt your gift, you disqualify yourself from using it. That will disqualify you from using it. Jesus said, when you give, don't even let your right hand. He was talking about money, but he said, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. When you give words, when you give prophetically, make sure that you don't do it for you. Make sure you do it to be a blessing to other people. The only thing that we're responsible for is to follow what God said. Nothing more, nothing less. He could, person, he could have said it personally to your own heart, or he could have said it through someone else, but you have a witness of the Holy Spirit. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. Everybody look at me just for a moment. We all have something on the inside of us, someone on the inside of us called the Holy Spirit, and he's a witness. You'd never go into court and believe someone if they didn't show up with a witness. You'd come in and just say it's his word against this word. But if they come in with a witness, then you go, well, I guess... They have a witness. Listen, we have a witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside that when you hear a word, when you hear something, you check your inside and say, do I have a witness of the Holy Spirit that that's correct or not? We all have that. It's the same witness that tells us out of um, Romans chapter 8 that tells us that we're saved, that we're believers. You have a witness of the Holy Spirit. Check on the witness and make sure that any word you hear comes from the word of God. Now, let me tell you one more thing and then I'm going to say this um, what did I I have to just stand on what I heard the Lord say and what I've sensed from the Lord here's what the Lord's been telling me in the last few in the last season and I've I've been as open with you as I possibly can there's nothing I've hidden back and that's that the Lord said don't be passive during this time in our world don't be passive don't sit back spiritually don't be mockers don't be cynical the whole time we're sitting here being cynical about things, Satan is wreaking havoc. Pray. Get on your knees and pray. We need to do more than prayer, as if prayer wasn't enough. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then Elijah prayed that the sun had stopped for three days. And it did. And then he prayed that it would come back and it came back. I mean, or it wouldn't, you know, rain. What was the sun? Rain? Rain, 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 yeah. See, I don't know. But he's saying if Elijah wasn't a superhero, Elijah was a man. And you're not a superhero. You're a man. So your prayers have a big effect on our world. Pray. Don't be passive. Stay active in your faith and fervent prayer. Pray for two. Number two, pray for 
two primary things is what the Lord keeps leading us to. Number one, righteousness. Just say the word righteousness. Righteousness in our nation. Pray for righteousness in our homes. Righteousness in our church. Righteousness in the world around us. Righteousness in our places of business. Righteousness. Why? Because righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is the reproach of any people. Number two, justice. Say the word justice. God hates honest weights. It says it in the book of Proverbs. And what does he do? He exposes them. He hates dishonest weights. Uh, wait, waste. Hates that too. He hates dishonest weights. In other words, someone who cooks the books. Someone who doesn't, it's not all out, out there. And God wants to expose those things. In fact, right now, we pray for righteousness in our world. Say it again with me. Pray for righteousness in our nation. We pray for righteousness in our city. We pray for righteousness in our government. And we pray for justice. Come on, pray with me. We pray for justice right now. We pray, Lord, that you would shine your bright light on every decision that's being made and cause righteousness and justice to reign in our nation, we pray. And we thank you for it. Third of all, what the Lord really put on my heart was that we're supposed to shine. The Lord wants you and I to arise, not be so concerned with the darkness, but get ourselves in a place where we're reflecting light. We're reflecting the goodness of God. Why? Because if we're not, who is? Nobody. We need to reflect the light. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.